Welcome to Steel and Deal, the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, we are in December, sir. We are a few weeks into the season. Uh, I think we're entering uh, week four, week five of the season right now. And there has been plenty of results, and uh, we need to get back into the swing of things. But before we do, Ramin, how are you doing, sir? I know we just had Thanksgiving. Holiday season is upon us. It is. I'm doing well, Kyle. How are you? Oh, just piecing it all together, making it work, just making it work, trying to get out to as many games as possible. A little difficult with my new schedule, but things are going to open up, and I've been able to get out to some ball. Checked out a game last night, actually. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit, but I'm ready for it, Ramin. And with that, we'll jump right into it. Um, we're going to do things a bit differently here. We're going to do the power rankings, a little new debuted feature on Sandy Spiel. So we're not going to go class by class as we usually have. Try to hit the highlights and the salient points. On the boys' side, right off the bat, you look, you had Grayson, the formerly 6-0 Grayson, coming in at number one overall in the state, coming into this week. And they took a loss last night, Kyle. Yeah, 84-80 to Newton in overtime. Uh, Caleb Bird going to Georgia Southern, took over that game, hit a late uh, bucket to send the game into overtime, but you know it, it took 14 three-pointers from Newton to knock off Grayson, and Grayson had been living right. I mean, that, that close win over Milton when they were trailing the entire time, they came back and beat Wheeler 73-68. to Grayson had been winning those tight games, and uh, you know I, I think it might have been a, a 10-point lead uh, that they saw slip away in the fourth quarter, um, just kind of ran out of magic, if you want to call it magic, and just couldn't get the job done, but, you know, 14 threes, um, that's hard to overcome, and, you know, you let a team hit 14 threes, and you still only lose by four in overtime, I think Grayson will be okay, and not to say um, that they were overlooking Newton, but if you want to classify it as maybe just a little bit of a trap game, that's hard to believe that Newton would be considered a trap game because, uh, you know, Newton's been a little up and down this year, but they're still a talented team. Um, Grayson has their sights set on now um, McEachern on Saturday at the Hawks Nasmus Classic, and that is, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's a national profile game right there. And, I mean, Grayson's won some good games this year, but to see if they have officially arrived, they're going to have to beat McEachern now. Keychain, much different from last year's team. Sharif Cooper already has a 50-point triple-double under his belt, and they've been taking care of business. So this is you know, a potential state championship preview, maybe. I know it's early on in the season, but Grayson versus McEachern, we are going to know a lot about these two teams. And so we just talked about what happened at the top of the power rankings, Kyle, but what's been the trend so far in the state? Um, well, the teams that we thought were going to be good have kind of proven that they are pretty good. Um, Woodward Academy, they've had a stranglehold in uh, Class 4A so far. They've looked really, really good. Um, I know they just had a, a, a tough game last night, but they pulled it out over McDonough by 14 points, so that was a good result for them. Uh, Tri-Cities as well, they've been handling their business. 
beat Douglas County by six last week, beat New Manchester uh, last night, which was uh, Tuesday the 10th, uh, beat them 85-76. to 76. Uh, Peyton Daniels has been really good for them, uh, scoring the ball a lot. Um, so pretty much the, the teams we expected – um, have been playing very well, you know, in 5A, Eagles landing, undefeated. Uh, they have a huge game coming up um, this weekend. I guess it's, uh, I want to say it's this Friday, um, when they're playing Dutchtown. So that that's going to be a game um, very big, going to go a long ways in uh, deciding who wins that, uh, that very tough Region 4, um, Eagles landing, in Dutchtown, and that game, it looks like, is going to be played at Eagles Landing on Friday. So that's going to be a packed house. Dutchtown has really righted the ship after an early season loss to Wheeler. Um, they've got them back on track. Um, eight straight wins to their ledger. Uh, just beat Woodland Stockbridge uh, last week, 62-49. to And before that, beat Stockbridge 100 100- three to 37 so they're really rolling right now so um that's uh number one versus number three in class 5a if you're looking at the power rankings poll which you can see uh, if you're subscribed um to sandyspiel.com um eagles landing comes in at number seven uh while dutchtown is down at number 15 but two teams that are playing really well right now and we mentioned this at the top of the podcast a team that is not in the power rankings but that you saw play yesterday franklin county kyle Franklin County, yeah, um, played at our event last year, played against Mundy's Mill, um, ended up losing a tight game to Mundy's Mill, but um, then they were about to be on the outside looking in uh, last year, but the power rating system saved them. They got into the uh, got into the big dance as an at-large seed. A Cinderella story made it all the way to the Elite Eight where they lost by two to Dawson County. Pretty much everyone comes back and um, they ended up winning 71-63 against Jefferson uh, last night at the Lions Den. Great atmosphere. I'm a big, big fan of these small school gyms um, because, you know, when you get to the bigger schools, uh, and just you know, every new school that's being built—it's a cookie cutter uh, gym now. It's in Cherokee County. All the new schools, Gwinnett County schools, are all the same gym layouts. Just you know, they're great facilities, um, but at the end of the day, they—they all are pretty much the exact same, with maybe a little uh, tinker here or there. But these small school gyms that were built, you know, 40, 50 years ago, whatever you want to call it—I don't know exactly how long. Um, but they just provide such great atmosphere with the bench, um, the uh, the wooden seating in the stands. But aside from the atmosphere of the game, uh, Franklin County was good. Titus Brown, 21 points. Uh, Micah Roebuck, 18 points. And looking at Jefferson, 24 and 14 from Jacob Radiker, 6'8", big man going to Navy. But the, the difference maker who played the best game that, I don't know, maybe his best game of his career, Keelan Rutledge, 6'3", big red, um, you know, that wide body post player, nimble feet in the post, saw him play for the first time last year, looked like he kind of knew what he was doing, uh, did not expect that he would be a big time scorer like this, but 20 points and eight rebounds really took it to, um, Radiker. They both played really well, but Rutledge, you know, hitting baby hooks, fadeaways, you know, great touch passes, uh, leading to some assists. Uh, he was big and for Franklin County to get back to the elite eight and go even further, um, he's going to have to be a big key because Franklin County, you know, 
with Titus Brown and Michael Roebuck, two senior guards, those guys are going to score a lot of points. But where is that third scoring option going to come to? Because, uh, you know, especially if Brown or Roebuck have an off game and only give you, you know, 10 or 12 points, where's the offense going to come from? Uh, Tytland Wells, he's more of a defensive player. Uh, a glue guy that gets after it, uh, gets in passing lanes, helps on the glass. Uh, but where is that third scoring option going to come from? And if it is Keelan Rutledge, if he can give them 12 to 14 points per game in the low post, that would be a huge benefit uh, to Coach Jason Shaver's club because they need some other scoring outside of Brown and Roebuck. Uh, but they're, they're rolling right now. I mean, nine straight wins. Uh, number seven in class 3A they're feeling really good they have confidence and like I said in my game story which you could read up on sandyspiel.com some teams they don't respond too well to having a target on their back it's a little bit different for each team and after a a, a opening season loss um, not not you know not the way you want to start a season but they really rebounded and, uh, you know, nine straight wins, they're playing really well, and they have such a good free-flowing offense. Coach Shaver has some great sets, you know, a lot of back screen, a lot of backdoor cuts, leads to easy buckets. Uh, Franklin County doesn't have a bunch of, you know, superstar, high-major Division One players like some of the other teams in Class 3A might have, but they're well-coached, they know how to win together, and uh, they have a lot of confidence. And early on in the season, 9-1, and one, their best start in over a decade, Franklin County is looking really good. And I wouldn't sleep on Jefferson either. They're getting the guys back off the football field. Jefferson's going to have something to say in Region 8. And onwards in 3A, there are there's a three-loss team at number one in Pace Academy and a four-loss team right behind Franklin County at number eight, Westside Make. And everybody else either has zero or one losses in the top ten in Class 3A, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, 3A, everyone's chasing Pace Academy. I know Pace Academy has a couple losses, like you said, but they're playing big-time opponents. Uh, with Matt Cleveland transferring in from Cambridge, he's pretty much a four-star, five-star, six-foot-six wing. That's a trump card, and he's been having a great year. He's averaging over 20 points per game. He's really been carrying that team. Um, so Pace Academy, they're, they're the team to beat, but, you know, don't sleep on those Savannah teams. I mean, John Savannah... They're looking okay so far with Derek Edwards transferring in um, to join Amandre Bowles. Um, that's a dynamic backcourt. Both guys averaging probably over 20 points per game right now. They they can really score the ball. And then Windsor Force that came up to um, Cobb County got shellacked by uh, McEachern. But you know, kudos to them for going up here and taking that beating. But Deontay Bass, six foot seven. He's got a lot of upside. He's a young guy. He plays above the rim. They got some other tough guards, Shamar Norman. They can score the ball. Windsor Force is looking pretty good right now, and I'll be interested to see how Windsor Force does against Johnson when they match up. I mean, it's going to be right around the corner. It's going to be coming here eventually. Um, but those two teams from Savannah, Savannah always has something to say when it comes to uh, you know state tournament time. We just got to see who's going to you know who's got more to say this year. Is it Windsor Force? Or is it Johnson? Uh, Those two teams are going to have plenty of opportunities to make some noise come state tournament time. Down and looking at the rest of the rankings in Class 2A, I don't know if you have – I know you always do have something to say about that, Kyle. Leave that open to you. But in Class A, private perhaps more interesting. Walker is in the number four spot, 7-1. Trinity Christian, fifth, 7-4. Mount Bethel with a 1-3 record. I don't see a team with a losing record in the top 10 often. Kyle, what's going on in Class A private? Well, as every year, we're not really sure what's going on in Class A private yet. Um, Just looking at it, Walker, 
Walker sitting at number four, but they had a tough loss to Whitfield Academy, who just uh, rises into the top ten at four and three. But, I mean, they just got beat by 22 by Mount Pisgah, got beat by uh, 21 by St. Francis. So, you know, that middle of the pack usually um, cannibalizes itself. They all beat each other. Um, I thought Walker was, you know, a firm number three, but losing to Whitfield, you know, makes a gap between St. Forest uh, St. Francis and Green Force and the rest of the class um, much steeper now. Um, but Mount Bethel, you know, they've been playing without Jordan Mecca at the beginning of the season. Um, not too sure what was going on with that. But 1-3, uh, and three, they played a tough schedule so far. Ended up losing by 14 to Walker. I mean, they they got to win some games to uh, to stay in the, uh, in the top 10. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a important week for them coming up. Important next couple games for them to remain in there, and you know a team that's out of the uh, the top ten who's been uh, just a, you know, a a really 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 big disappointment. Uh, even though they played some really good teams, um, holy innocence! Uh, you got two Division One guards and uh, Garrison Powell and um, you know Chance Moore. You, you, you can't be one and eight. That's terrible. They're one and eight right now. I know uh, they want to play good teams to help them get a you know be prepared for the region tournament. But Class A private, that's a power rating system. You can't just go out and get beat by all these teams. And you know they you know there's like they beat GAC. That's their only win of the season. Uh, got beat by 19 by Lanier, 13 by South Cobb. Um, What's that? 27 by Milton. Pace Academy housed them by, oh gosh, 26. Losing overtime to Hillgrove by four. That's not a good loss. Shiloh beats you by 44. Um, and, you know, lose to Brookwood by 16. And, but the one that was like the, the, the really glaring one that ended up, you know, I you know, just not good. Losing to Kip, Kip Atlanta uh, by three. Just. A lot of not good stuff going on over there at Holy Innocence right now with the amount of talent. I know that they're still a, a kind of young team, but you got two Division One guards. Those two guys are going to be the best players on the court, or at least the best duo on the court. And probably 75 to 80 percent of the games you play, you, you can't be losing like that. I know they might not have the depth that some of these other teams do have, uh, but. They've been really bad this year, and I still think they're going to be fine um, once they get into the region play. I'm sure they're going to do well in the region, and I think they're going to grab a, you know, a, a good seed. But they just really overscheduled, and they're just getting just just killed right now, and that's going to kill their power rating system. So they really have to make some hay, and they got to win a lot of games in the region. They got to really play well in the region tournament. Or they're going to be left out in the cold and not even make the state playoffs, which is hard to believe with the talent they have. So they gotta they gotta get things right. I know um, Holy Innocence has had a good football team this year, so they they are missing some guys from football, which are going to make a big difference. So you know that's something to really think about. Um, like Landon Cardi, and I'm sure he's still on the football field. Um, they're they're missing some dudes. Um, so I wouldn't bury Holy Innocence right yet. They're buried as far as not being in the top ten in Class A private. Um, but they, they'll be okay in another, you know, a couple weeks, I think, but still, when you still have your two best players on the team and they're two division one guards, um, some of these results are still a little, um, you know, uh, inexcusable, I think. 
We'll take it over to the girls' side. Now start with the power ranking, top 20 best teams in the state. Um, not unfamiliar names. Recent state champions at the top, Westlake, Lovejoy, Buford, Collins Hill, and St. Francis are your top five and three Class A private teams in the – or four, excuse me, Class A private teams in this kind of story top four. Uh, the girls usually are St. Francis, Hebron Christian, Holy Innocence, and Wesleyan in five through eight, Kyle. Yeah, the, uh, the the power rankings and and girls basketball, it's always gonna look this way. It looks like uh, you know Westlake they suffered their first loss um, in a long, long time, losing to uh, Paul Paul the six out of Virginia. But Westlake's still the best team in Georgia. Um, but that could quickly change because they they played a long-awaited matchup with Lovejoy at the Queens of the Hardwood event over there, I believe, in uh, at Whitewater. They play uh, this weekend, so that is that – is, I, I, I mean, you know, you talk about McEachern versus Grayson in boys' basketball. It's equally as big as Westlake versus Lovejoy in girls' basketball. Those are two, like, legitimate national games. Like, if you cover high school sports or know anything about basketball in the entire nation, these are, like, two of the biggest games in the entire country that are taking place so that'll be interesting to see how lovejoy uh will do against uh westlake that's a a big 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 game uh for both programs um but the team i want to talk about is just buford i mean they were down what like 18 points the other night to holy innocence but just somehow come back and find a way to win and take care of business um that's just that's just how they 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 get get things done. They always find a way to win, and they just kept cracking away at Holy Innocence and took care of business. Um, so Buford Buford always good, and you just look at you know these top five teams: St. Francis, number five in the power rankings, number four Collins Hill. Buford's at three, Lovejoy two, Westlake one. Um, Buford doesn't have the high major superstars like Collins Hill, Lovejoy, and Westlake has, um, but what they do have is a Gene Durden in a system that just consistently wins games. And Buford, I think they're going to run away with Class 5A this year. Um, I don't see anybody beating them unless something something drastic changes. But, you know, just who they play so far, beating all these teams, just handling their business, uh, Buford's really, really good. And uh, they're, 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 they're going to be tough to beat. Elsewhere in girls action, we talk about these huge games, and um, I know we plugged it on the boys' side, one versus two, the Hawks-Naismith Classic coming up. I know we're going to have a little something on that, Kyle. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be talking about the Hawks-Naismith Classic uh, uh, with uh, Chris Jacobs. We have a great interview lined up, uh, very nice talking with him. Uh, going to have to tune in to hear about that. They, got, uh, they had the holiday uh, Holiday Classic coming up, going to be at Norcross this weekend on the 13th and the 14th. Tons of games, tons of big matchups. Uh, McEachin Grayson is uh, the big one on Saturday. And then uh, following, they have uh, Tucker versus Norcross, which will be a big one as well. So um, very eager to see how that plays out. Uh, and uh, very thankful that Chris Jacobs was kind enough to join us on the podcast and break down everything that the Hawks have going on in the community. But for now, we still have a bit more girls to talk about. I'm going to pose you a bipartite question here, Kyle. First part of it, who, what has been the most surprising result of the girls' season thus far? 
Oh boy, surprising result. Really putting me on the uh, spot here, but just just off the top of my head, um, not even looking at teams that have been surprising, but when McEachern uh, beat Carver Columbus 66-61, I don't have any details on that game. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm hoping Carver Columbus was at full strength when it happened with Olivia Cochran and everybody, but if Carver was at full strength and they did lose that game to McEachern, that is a... Uh, that is very uh, eye-opening and troubling because McEachin, I mean, they got beat by about 15 by North Paulding just like the week, week, week and a half before that game and knocked them nearly out of the uh, top 10. If they did fall out of the top 10, I don't quite remember, but um, they were in trouble. They were reeling after that loss to North Paulding, but McEachin coming out and uh, beating Carver Columbus, who was undefeated last year and won the state championship, um, that was a really, really surprising outcome and um just another thing in class 4a is a storyline with uh uh that region four druid hills was off to a really hot start but jayla thompson their their leading scorer and rebounder decided to transfer over thanksgiving break um and went to tri-city so druid hills uh that was a team that could have snuck up and made some big big noise and i think they'll still be okay but i mean they got beat by woodward academy 69 34 without thompson in attendance and sydney bowles is averaging over 30 points and over 10 rebounds and she's just been a monster as a sophomore so in class 4a keep an eye on woodward academy we'll we'll know a little bit more as they get deeper into region play but woodward academy has been rolling right now and uh with Sydney Balls playing as well as she's playing, a big 5'11 guard, um, averaging, like I said, over 30 points per game, uh, they might have something to say about Class 4A when all is said and done. And the second part of that question, Kyle, who do you think is going to rise the fastest in the next four weeks? Oh, boy. There's uh... – you know, there's some big matchups that are going to decide a lot of things uh, all throughout the state. Just looking at, you know, Class 5A, we talked about Buford. I think they are definitely the team to beat, but uh, Region 7 has just turned into something crazy with with Carrollton, who's ranked number three, Villarica ranked number two. Uh, Kell has done a lot of talking. They're up to number seven, so we'll see how Kell does when they play Villarica and Carrollton, um, even Rome. Home is a tough cookie. Uh, Cast is probably that sixth best team in that deep region right now. Um, but that that's a region that has a lot of deciding to do, which is going to see some some moving and shaking as far as teams coming up and down the pole. Um, so that and then uh, Class 3A with all these small schools, you know, North Georgia, it's just been a revolving door between Region 6, 7, and 8. Dawson County's at number five, Lumpkin six, Coal Creek seven, North Hall eight, Fannin nine. Um, I think uh, Lumpkin County just got beat last night. They got beat 51-38 by Fannin County. So all these teams just keep beating each other, and it just you know up and down like a merry-go-round in Class Three for all these uh, you know these these girls teams from North Georgia. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting to track and see how it all plays out. Um, but those are pretty much the, uh, the, the classifications that have, um, you know, opened my eyes the most that, that region region seven and class five, a has a lot of deciding to be done. And then class three, a region six, seven, and eight North Georgia basketball. It's a, it's a gauntlet. Overall boys and girls. Let's talk about individual for the moment. The largest individual stock riser thus far. Oh, geez. Um, you know, 
There's been uh, some good good players that have been making um, some names for themselves so far. Uh, just looking at the boys' side, I know Terrence Edwards has done really well at Tucker. He's starting to draw a, a lot more attention after he was ruled ineligible last year and had to sit out. So he wasted his junior season, but he's back strong as a senior. He's doing really well so far. Um, on the boys' side, everyone at that Archer, Archer team – uh, who's been in the top 10, uh, currently ranked number eight in the state. C.J. Hines, Arian Johnson, uh, Brent Smith, all those guys might not be big, high-profile Division One players, but they might be low-major or Division Two players, and uh, definitely a junior college uh, junior college will be looking at these guys as well. So they got a handful of guys that have really helped themselves. Um, and even at Pope, Pope number six in class 6A, Ross Shepard has been a walking double-double machine. Um, that's a guy that's been trending up in the right direction with small schools, uh, six-foot-six wing um, that plays inside and out. He's been really good. So that's uh, a, a couple players that have been quite uh, quite good so far this year. And on the girls' side, you know, pretty much same old, same old. Just take a look at Hebron Christian, what Jan Azar has done over there. All those players, Malia Fisher, uh, Nicole Azar, uh, Carly Fahey, all those girls have been playing extremely well, and they're just massacring teams in Class A private. And with that, I'm sure are going to come more and more scholarship offers for those girls as well. Carl, it has been nice to run through the salient points with you. As we mentioned in the middle of the podcast, we have a great piece coming out with Chris Jacobs. You sat down and spoke with Chris Jacobs of the Hawks and uh, what they're doing with Hawks, Nate Smith, and other things in the community. So go check out that podcast if you haven't. And until next time, on behalf of Kyle, this is Ramin signing off.